0: Oh, darling Hi again everybody, I'm Pat O'Brien and welcome to the 1993 All-Star Game here on CBS Sports The is working this one, the National League's Gary Darling at third The 0 2 pitch. he's struck him out And they will in fact boo an American League
1: victory in Baltimore And on this subject, they have reason to boo
0: the final score, 9-3. to three. Welcome to the 74th All-Star Game. Home plate umpire is Tim McClellan, joined by Larry Young, Gary
3: Darling, Gary drum, Mark Carlson, and Bill Welke. So if Gagne threw
1: Hank a 2-0 changeup, he'll get it again.
3: And that's one in the deep right center field. The American League is on top in the eighth. Playlock, a pinch hit, 2 these are times I
0: wish I could cuss.
1: Talking to outside. the me? Yeah,
0: same. Gary Darling is, has been inviting this, folks. What? What in the world are you doing, darling?
2: Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score.
3: Sean Anderson, the phenom, our producer here on Sunday mornings. That was fun, as we welcome in on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Long time, and now former Major League umpire, Gary Darling, who joins us on 670 The Score. Good morning, Gary. How are you?
1: Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everything in Chicago these days?
3: Oh, man, it's good. We're we're a two-team town, Gary, and these teams play each other in a scrimmage tonight, and in general, the Cubs are still viable in terms of trying to win, and the White Sox are one of those teams that have the feel of next. You know, this is a good year. This should be a good year. I'm super thankful that we're having a baseball season in this town. That, that's how we're doing. How, how are you doing?
1: I'm, uh, I'm doing good. Just uh, enjoying not having to worry about whether there's going to be baseball or not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, don't, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, Gary retired in 2014. And has uh, for a long time been associated with Ump's Care. And you're now the president of Ump's Care. Right, right, Gary? Tell people about some of the work you do. I saw how you recently delivered 75 Build-A-Bears and also outfits and Ump's Care activity books and crayons to kids at the Comer Children's Hospital at the University of Chicago. That is awesome. And I, I can tell you, as a father of a son who was just in hospital for... A long time 17 days having to deal with it, getting his appendix out and all the follow-up of that that those kind of things delivery of that kind of stuff really makes a difference so that that that's great stuff tell me a little bit about umps care please
1: well Ump's Care, we got started back in uh oh four just trying to help out uh you know retired umpires that had fallen on in some tough times and uh you know, we did some work with the Miracle League. And then it, and some of the other umpires were doing uh, another charity where they were doing the hospital visits and having some kids out to the ballpark. And we just decided to merge the two groups together. And uh, and we've been doing the hospital visits since 2006. Uh, you know, we've, you know, just, you know, it was always nice doing it in person, going to the hospital and interacting with the kids. And and like you said, uh, you know, the, more as much impactful with helping the kids was, Seeing the faces of the parents who had the sick kids, so I was always more impacted by that side of it. But yeah, we do the hospital visits. We have kids out to the ballpark over seventeen hundred. Uh, I mean, no more than that. Even we've had thousands of kids out to the out to the ballpark and into the umpire room and down on the field, um, just you know, trying to give them a special day. A lot of them, you know, we're in in not foster care and different boys and go, go, girls clubs and stuff like that. So. Um, just, you know, just umpires, people like you and me, and then we just, you know, giving back to the communities that we live in and, and the cities around, you know, the country. And we, we're even now into the, doing stuff in the minor with the minor league, some of the minor league cities in AAA. So uh, when one of our bigger ones, we just, just awarded our uh, recent all-star scholarship recipient. So we, that's one of our really biggest impact with things changing somebody's lives where we. Go, give out and follow a kid all all four years of school, giving them you know awarding them ten thousand dollars a year. So that that's pretty impactful for a kid that was adopted later in life.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, folks can go to umpscare.com dot com to learn about everything that they do. And I see that you and Jim Joyce, Dale Scott, and Steve Ripley. These are umpire names that our listeners know um, are going to do a virtual Q and A with fans as a fundraiser for Ump's Care charities. It's going to be early next month. Pedro Gomez of ESPN will be the moderator. Um, go go to umpscare.com to check it out. You guys all did that World Series in two thousand one after nine eleven. You did that Yankees Diamondbacks World Series, right, Gary?
1: Actually, that was yeah. Uh, I was the only one that was, and I was. We had that labor dispute back in ninety nine, and I was. I was out of the game for a few years, though. But, yeah, Steve Ripley was the crew chief, and Jimmy Joyce and Dale Scott were on the crew. My bad. Eddie Rappuano. But, yeah, I got my job back the next year, and then I worked the 2003 World Series with the Yankees and the Marlins. But, yeah, yeah, so pretty that, good crew there. I mean, Jimmy Joyce, uh, great umpire, Dale Scott, Steve Ripley, all, all real good guys. That should be a fun time. I've known Jimmy Joyce and I worked together in the minor leagues. Dale Scott and I have known each other. Since we both started in the low minor leagues uh, and Steve Ripley and I, we worked together quite a few years in the big leagues with him as my crew chief for quite a while. And, and even when we were the, you know, the younger guys on a crew. So all good friends should be a nice little program. I appreciate you guys mention that.
3: Absolutely. You got it. So go to umpscare.com to check it out. 2003 World Series, 2010 World Series for Gary Darling. Want to talk about your career um, a a little bit. But, But first, let's start with the current situation. It looks like the latest, according to Ken Rosenthal anyway, is that there are going to be face shields for umpires. They're working on trying to make sure that they are shatterproof, make sure that they don't fog up. Perhaps it's a version of what the NFL um uh, you showed the other day that oakley designed um to add to the nfl helmet but does this dovetail with what you heard and how would you feel as an umpire going to these games working these games with a face shield um starting thursday
1: you know what it'd be it'd be a little different but i think all the guys that as i would do you know you got to do what you got to do if that's the protocol and that's uh it's going to keep everybody safe, you know. You'd, you'd rather do that than have a robot calling balls and strikes. So, I think uh, wearing a shield and a, maybe a face mask, if that's what's necessary. I'm sure the guys will try it out. Might get a little uncomfortable when uh, the heat really kicks in. Although we're already, you know, middle of July, so it's about as hot as it's going to get. It'll be. It'll take some changes, some getting used to, and you know, I just hope they can uh, make it all the way through to October and get play us in the world series and i think everybody all the fans everybody wants that so let's hope it all works out and uh, we have some baseball this year mm-hmm.
3: you know to make it work everybody's got to kind of depend on each other it takes a lot of empathy a lot of uh a lot of trust to know that each person is is doing the right thing um and and trying to be safe for each other to make to make it work um trust and empathy, not exactly the things I think of first when I think of umpires and ballplayers uh, getting along through, throughout the years. Um, but, but you know, I wonder if you've talked to any of your friends who are current umps about about the vibe of kind of everybody having to work together in a year like this and maybe even fly, right? Umpires might fly with teams, um, I, I had just heard.
1: Yeah, that, that's. I'm sure that'll be minimal. I'm assuming that'll be minimal. It won't be the norm, but I'm sure they'll... <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. There will be times that they do that. I mean, I've done that in my career. We had a a flight. We were going from uh, Miami to uh, L.A., and we had a long game, and the, all the flights were going to be missed. We weren't going to be able to get there the next day even, so we hopped on the charter with the Padres and flew to San Diego and then just drove up to L.A. So it happens, not often, but, you know, uh, everybody will be professional. I mean, I think uh, – Everybody wants to get this in because, you know, people's livelihood depend on it, whether it's the players, the umpires, the, you know, the, the clubhouse people, the, mm-hmm. you know, the TV networks, everybody, everybody wants this to work. So I'm sure the guys will do whatever they can. It's a little bit different, but I think the umpires have proven over the years when they're asked to do something by major league baseball, you know, well, they, the guys will run through the wall to get it done for them. So. And there's you know there's a little infighting sometimes, but when it comes down to it, you know we're umpires and that's what we get paid to do. So that's I'm sure the guys will do everything they can to make sure the games come off uh, you know safely and no uh, no COVID gets spread unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure I'm sure that's going to be an issue. I'm, I'm obviously that's the big concern is how much it's going to pop up around the different parts of the country. But I'm sure everybody will do what they can to keep each other safe out there.
3: Hey, Gary, I I feel um, like instant replay in baseball has absolutely been a positive as a fan because it, it, it helps us get more things right. But I also feel like you guys, like umpires, have not lost authority. I know it's a tricky thing, personally, I'm sure, for some umps to feel um, that, oh boy, everybody's looking over our shoulder or that kind of thing. But like we're all humans, like it's okay. All right, so if we miss that just by the blink of an eye, it's great. We get technology, and that can help. And onward we move. Do you feel like umpires still have the same authority, even in a baseball game where instant replay exists?
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's always something somebody's not going to agree with, and 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 running a, a baseball game and and running a baseball game at the highest level, it does take you can't demand authority, but you have to, you know, you can not demand the respect, but you got to have the authority out there to make the tough decisions and keep the game moving, you know, fairly. And, but, you know, you know, the replay, I think everybody's kind of used to it by now. And it's, uh, you know, nobody wants that one call. And all, you know, you hear it. No, 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 na. Tonight on sports center, you know, Gary Darling kicked the play in Boston. You know, nobody wants to be that guy. So if you can, you know, if you can do it quickly and 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 not hold the game up forever, I think you know it's 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 not a bad thing. I think yeah, it, I, it, it changed the way the games played, though. I mean, yes. Now you got a guy slides into second base and that foot pops off the base yes. by a eighth of an inch, and the glove stays on him, and the replay shows his foot off. He's out. You know, it works for both guys, but that's that was a big change there. And even uh, ab, uh,
3: absolutely, for- Gary. I was looking at. There, you were involved in a in a, a controversial call when Bob Guerin got kicked out of a game. A's White Sox, August of 2009. I think it was Jason Nix on exactly the kind of play you're talking about, sliding across second base. And it, was he off the bag when it got when he got touched? It used to be that, that that there ended up being some judgment in there, like ah, he fell off the bag or whatever. But now it's different, and, and because that game has changed. Now we appreciate tagging, like we talk about Javier Baez as a tagger. His skills, so yeah, much, he's got quick. right? But but we wouldn't have even appreciated it in a pre-replay world. We wouldn't have thought about those kind of skills very much. But now the game has changed from even from when you were doing it in 2014. Was your last year?
1: All right. Yeah. There. Yeah. My last year working was 13. I didn't get to 13. work at all in 14. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we always appreciate the the, the shortstops, middle infielders that could apply that quick tag. That was that's one of the big differences between minor league baseball and big league baseball is the speed and the quickness of the tags and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean it is. Uh, I, I tell you what, the the guys working today, they're are timing up. You know, timing is you know making sure you see what you saw and then rendering your decision and not doing it too fast before the play's over. Hmm. The guys umpiring in today's game have to have great timing, or they're gonna. You know, be going to replay a lot on those little tiny, coming off the bag kind of plays. So
3: yeah,
1: uh, I think everybody's used to it. I think the players are used to it. You know, they they got to come up with something to argue with. That's why you see more arguments on check swings and and pitches now. Because there's just no arguing on plays on the bases. <laughs> I don't know when the last time somebody got ejected for a, a, a play at first base or a catch no catch or something. You know
3: yeah it's no it's it's strike it's zone now now it's a lot of a lot of strike zone arguing you had a lot of strike zone arguing in, in your day the, the reputation <laughs> right the reputation on you was that you had a big old strike zone um do you do you looking back do you think you were consistent in what your strike zone was from game to game
1: i think so i mean yeah there's going to be guys that don't agree but i think i was, was you know consistent yeah you went once uh in 99, when baseball took over and started implementing and, uh, you know, rating us on getting ready for robot umpires or mm-hmm. trying to get guys to call, keep the ball on the plate, you know you had a little more line of demarcation there. So I think guys have uh, they've really dialed in the strike zone these days. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd get yeah, Glavin or whoever would want to pitch that was six, seven inches off, outside. And, you know, I maybe had a big strike zone, but I wasn't getting that big all the time.
3: So <laughs> <laughs> nowadays that's Lester, especially as his stuff wanes a little bit, he tries to establish that outside corner and will stare you down if you don't give it to him right from the get-go cuz he knows he's screwed if he doesn't get it, right?
1: Yeah, everybody's uh, everybody's making adjustments all the time and you know, you got to throw the ball on the plate now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you know, the hard part is that, they, that they're struggling with the robot is the uh, you know, the low curve ball. <clears throat> what part of the, what part of the strike zone is that pitch catching? You know, if the hitter's in the back of the box, yeah, and the you know, plate's way up in front of them, you know, and the catcher's sitting way back, and the curveball could literally bounce and still be a strike by the by the rule book. So, I think that's the that's the pitch that they're trying to figure out how to get the computer to call it. I, I think
3: you, and, Yep. I, I, I think you just brought up the, the, the exact key point that they're trying to figure out, right? Where is the strike zone? Not, you know, not the box that you look at, but where in terms of when it goes over the plate. That's got to be so tough. Did, did you all define it the same way or does that need to be defined for the robot? Was it all defined for you exactly the same way, exactly this part of the plate where it crosses? And obviously that's hard to see in real time.
1: Well, I mean it's not it's really it's not even one part of the pitch that makes it a ball or a strike. It's the whole path of the pitch hmm. you know it's i mean if, you know the you see catchers now they want to yank pitches all over the place i mean they I mean a good pitch and they're trying to make it better, which makes the umpire's job even harder i mean it's, I think that you know you notice they've started to raise the bottom of the strike zone. I think yes. they're doing that to try and find that happy medium or that curveball that does catch the knee, but doesn't bounce is a strike. I think that's, that's, that's what they're trying to figure out with on the robot side, on the computer side of it. Hmm. I mean, we used to, you know, you you used to have the catcher would have to do his job too. You know, he's got to catch the ball. He's got to present it without, you know, they they want to have this frame analytics now. I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but they, they, they take away more good pitches than they, than they quote unquote steal. You know, that's Hmm. their word, stealing pitches. Yeah. Um, you know, just catch the pitch. The, the 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 more still the catcher can stay and just not be moving his glove all over the place. You know, easier the job is for the umpire.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. They definitely think of it as trying to trick the umpire and 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 steal yeah. a pitch. But what you were what you're watching, this is fascinating to me. What you were watching to determine a strike is the full path of it. So, like, one of those high fastballs that looks like it's rising, but it's not really rising because that's physically impossible. But, like, or, or, or a slider that ends up at the ankles. Like, you're looking at the whole path to figure out if it's a strike. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about what that's like.
1: Well, you want to make sure you got to let the, you know, for the I mentioned timing before. You want to let the catcher catch the pitch and, and see the whole pitch, not try and judge it as soon as it gets to the front part of the plate. I mean, that's kind of where you're determining whether it's really a ball or strike, but you want to let the pitch finish, you want to let the catcher catch it, and then you make up your mind and replay quickly in your mind, not not taking a lot of time, I mean, to split second, really, to see whether that pitch was good enough to be called a strike. You know, it's a strike until it's not, and then you know sometimes, you know, the catcher catches that good knee pitch and just takes it right to the ground. Well, nobody wants that to be a strike. I mean, the catcher's got to do his job, too, you know? hmm but then, yeah, I don't I, know if that makes sense, but you got no, it it it's the whole path of the pitch that makes it a ball or a strike, not just one particular pitch. I mean, you watch every network has their own little K-zone or, you know, little box up there. That, that box doesn't change when you have Aaron Judge up as compared to Jose Altuve or Baez or, you know, somebody. I mean, that box stays the same. You see some networks even move the box depending on whether they're up, whether they're hitting or pitching. The White Sox, uh, I mean, their, their TV network used to do that all the time. I don't think they still do, but they, they would move that box around to try and make the pitch look like you, like it you missed the strike zone.
3: Oh, um, oh, 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 oh. Wow. Yeah, that's, that, that's not an umpire's friend right there. My God. No, just trying to
1: make you look bad. The job's hard enough, it is. I can make myself <laughs> look bad. You don't have to help me.
3: No. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's so weird because we take the, the K-Zone as gospel, and it's just, you're right, different networks have it in different places and do different oh. things. So I, I think a consensus would actually be healthy uh, for the game. Um, but, Gary, yeah, let, it's, let, it's, let me ask you. Just, go ahead, yeah. go ahead.
1: I, I, I was just going to say, you know, you see of where they actually, the ball track, you know, what part of that pitch, you know, when they put up that highlighted dot, you know, yeah. you see on some of the networks or Fox or what part of the pitch is that? mean, you know, i you know I'm still trying to watching baseball when it's on, trying to figure out what part of the pitch are they are they trying to determine if that pitch is a ball or a strike where is it where is it in the path yeah you know that that's, that's just kinda it's all for it's, they should just put that little disclaimer up there for entertainment purposes only
3: huh. yeah <laughs> I love it um Gary darling, a lot of our listeners here on hit and Run, and certainly me i I, I can remember. The first time that you got a chance for whatever part of a game and however it happened to sit behind the plate and watch a pitcher and all of a sudden realize, man, what you can see here. And you had an unbelievable viewpoint on pitching for for 28 years. And obviously you're working, you're doing a game, trying to do the best you can. You're locked in. But I'm sure there were moments when you said, holy hell, is this guy good Right now, today, tell me, tell me a couple of pitchers or as many as you feel like mentioning who were, you were like, man, this is as good as anybody I've ever seen.
1: When well, my first year coming up and down, I was 86. I had the uh, I think Houston and San Diego and I, Nolan Ryan was pitching. And you talk about a pitch that, you know, physically can't rise. Yeah. I, 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 I challenge you to sit back behind the whole plate and watch that pitch come in and say that ball didn't go up. I mean He just had some hop on it. Uh you know, obviously you got Maddox with his movement, you uh Dwight Gooden in his day was pretty solid, you know, Kevin Brown when he was really hot and making the ball move all over the place. Uh was really good.
3: Hmm. Um What made Hershiser so good?
1: He just had pretty good control. He could move it in and out and you know, he just he changed speeds. I mean he's not Maddox all the way but his was pretty darn good in his day. Yeah. Um I mean uh Matt Kane with the Giants uh um yeah, you can just go on and on. Uh, yeah, Pedro yeah. Martinez. Pedro, I mean his he sit there and watch his changeup. His changeup was unbelievable. I mean he's got fingers as long as my forearm. I mean he just could <laughs> make that ball do funny things. He he was he was really good. Um yeah, Pedro's Pedro's you know, what, makes, what makes those guys what makes those guys really good is having a pretty good catcher though too. I mean, people ask who the you know, some of the great catchers. It w you know, back in the day with uh, when the when the Diamondbacks had Schilling and Randy Johnson, you know, if they didn't have Damian Miller catching for him, no, well, that's not necessarily a household name, but he mm-hmm. you know, he played ten plus years in the business of the Diamondbacks, the I think the Brewers yeah. Cubs too. Cubs too. Cubs yeah. too a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He I mean he could he would take that hard uh Randy Johnson slider and he would when it hit his glove that's that's where the pitch stayed. Mm. It just he wouldn't his arm wouldn't jerk back and have to come back to you know to present the pitch. He would just catch it and he was he was he was really good. Um
3: Hey, hey, hey Gary, it, when we had Lou Pinella and Ozzie Gian in this town, at the same time
1: <laughs> right those a couple, couple characters couple characters of the game there i mean yeah. uh you ever throw lou either of I them out a... you ever throw either yeah. of them out gary i don't think i threw ozzy i had a i mean a real big shithouse with lou one day in cincinnati um yeah. I mean, a real big shithouse uh but then later in our careers we got along fine we kind of would joke about it a little bit but uh you know, as you know, Jimmy Leland, when he first came to the National League, it was my first year, was his first year, and you know, we I ejected him every year. The first three years, when he was with the Pirates, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, but then I never ran him again. You know, we I had him in Detroit, I had him in Colorado. I mean, yeah, you get, there's some characters out there, Ozzy. You know, he when he was coaching, he was all fun and game. When he was managing, he he, he was a uh, he wasn't always the fairest guy out there. He was. You wanted to be cute sometimes, but uh, they what got a mean? job to do. And as what, what, long as, uh, yeah.
3: What 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 do you mean he wanted to be cute? What What does that look like when somebody
1: wants to be cute? I just just uh, you know standing up for his players almost too much. You know, I mean, mm. you got yes, you know, they're not the players aren't always right. I mean, I know you got to back them, but just uh, just because they argue doesn't mean we're wrong. And you know, Ozzy would want to you know kick a little dirt and you know. I me mean, that uh, like Lou or uh, Billy Martin and Earl Weaver some of those guys you get kind of doing that kind of stuff which yeah. you know plum not don't, don't necessarily like that
3: yeah no that but i i remember part. i remember, you need, I remember you moments you don't need to keep dirt on me <laughs> yeah, you don't need to kick dirt on you, right? Yeah, I remember moments where I was thinking, boy, Lou's just doing that so he can, so people can see him do it, right? Or like a manager's just doing that so the world sees, oh, look how strong he is. Look how he stands up for guys, right? That's part of the game
1: a little bit. It is part of it. I mean, some guys are just – I mean, Lou's just a competitive guy. He didn't like to lose, and, you know, you get pissed off, and he, sometimes he's pissed off at his team, so they take, they take it out on us. Not always, but sometimes. I mean, uh, I mean, people forget that uh, umpires are pretty competitive people too. We don't we don't like to miss stuff. We like to get everything right. We know we're not gonna, but we're not just out there just kind of winging it. We're trying to. We guys are doing the best they can, and plays get missed every now and then. And you hope uh, it. You know, it's not one of those things that's. On TV for the next fifty years.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Gary Darling, this has been really fun, man. Thank you for talking. He's the president of Ump's Care. Go to umpscare.com. dot com and l- let's check in again sometime during the season if you're game. I'd love to know your thoughts on some of the new rules that we're going to see and and how that's going to play out. It it should be pretty interesting uh, to see what happens this year.
1: It'll be. Uh, I think the- I think the ratings are going to be pretty good to start out with. I bet the ratings for the. <laughs> The Cubs-White Sox exhibition game tonight will be uh, pretty high, I would think. So, yeah, yeah I'd love to. Yeah, just uh, we'll make that work. That'd be great.
3: All right. Thanks, Gary. Pleasure. That's, uh, that's Gary Darling, former longtime MLB umpire and the president of UMS Care. Yeah, ratings for Cubs-Sox right here tonight on the score, starting at 6.50 um, with pregame and then 7 o'clock first pitch. All right, got we got cu- to cut some of that up, Sean. We, the weekday shows need to know. Oh, wait, I'm on one tomorrow. It's me and McNeil all week tomorrow, all week uh, starting tomorrow, uh, from two to six. Me and Dan McNeil. So yeah, he said the White Sox broadcast would move the K Zone around, trying to f with the umpires, and Ozzie Guillen being a little too cute. Uh, I love all that stuff. All right, it's uh, it's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. My predictions on the season coming up later at 11:40. When we come back, the sound of the game, a sound you missed. And how it is happening and still evolving uh, for baseball. And you'll hear it next on Hit and Run.
0: Even podcasts, whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
3: Welcome back in on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. All right, that's real instructive to hear, and we're going to hear it again in a minute because I want to play a, a couple different bits of live baseball sound for you just to talk about this this briefly. I talked about it in longer form with Danny Parkins I think on Thursday but want to share with you here on Hit and Run what I've learned about the sound effects that are going to be piped in at every major league baseball park. MLB has mandated that every team use the crowd sounds that they provided. I can confirm to you after talking to a couple different teams, and a Reds reporter had actually tweeted this, that the sounds come from the video game, MLB The Show. And so MLB sent out a package of sounds to ballparks. First, let's hear what we just heard again. This is the first Cubs intra game, and it is a sound, I think, from a uh, from a, a, writer's, um, t- uh, a writer's phone. And it was like our first glimpse... Right it was at Jordan Bastion from MLB.com from his phone, and it's the first glimpse we had of baseball. And there's obviously no crowd effect crowd sound effects, there's no crowd, and it wasn't a TV game because there was no TV yet. Um but this is what baseball sounds like with no crowd. Play it one more time. Bias double off, you darvish <laughs> fun you can hear some individual things two 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 we've since come to believe that that's anthony rizzo screaming to to the outfielder about where to throw the ball i think that's what that is and then other people are screaming is it ross hard to tell but anyway then mlb has mandated that every ball club has to have what they call the murmur and that is the slow or excuse, excuse me the steady hum of a crowd Just hanging out. We've talked about that a lot. That sound that perhaps you did not even realize you missed. The very basics of 20,000, 30,000 people just kind of rumbling. The quiet rumble of 30,000 people. MLB supplied that and a couple varieties of it um, to each ball club. They also gave a few good outcome sound effects and a few bad outcome sound effects. After that, it is up to each ballpark to then tweak it, mix it however they want. If you're a sound geek or a musician like me and you've talked to enough sound geeks, you know that they can mess with the EQ, the equivalencies, or the, 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 the EQ, the frequencies of the, um, uh, of the sound. High end, low end, middle end. And they can mix things in. So each ballpark gets to do what they want to it. And then they, in turn, give it to a television network and a radio network. And then the television network and the radio network get to put their hands on it and their aesthetic touches on it. So it is going to be different. Every TV game you watch is going to be handled a little bit differently. Here is the Cubs' first... Actually, first we'll give you a game last year on WGN. This is the sound of the murmur. The crowd, low, steady rumble on a WGN... Cubs game from 2019 that's the white noise okay is it white noise no it's a baseball crowd you know what that sounds like that's the sound right that's it put that in your head that's the basics that's the background as people talk about the game. Now let's hear the first intrasquad game that Marquee ran. Was it Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday night? I think it was the first intrasquad game on Marquee, and they used some of the MLB provided crowd sound effects. Here's the murmur from the first game. <laughs> the different that is very different sounds more high pitched, right it's brighter in terms of eq it's higher in the mix It just sounds like a higher tone and it sounds a little more thin it doesn't sound very good and then here is the second game this is the second game on marquee this is wednesday after tuesday it's lower already right There's some individual voices in there. That's what happens when the Cubs productions team takes what MLB has given it, does a game, and then listens back and realizes we need to add in our own Wrigley stuff. So they go to their archive of Wrigley games, whatever they have and they grab some Wrigley specific sounds I think there was a vendor in there it might have been a specific fan in there we'll play it just one more time
1: right,
3: there. right there's a couple things clanging around in there look this is going to change and evolve what I wanted you to know is how it's all working to me it's fascinating because it's the sound of the game and tonight you'll hear when the Cubs and Sox play, and you'll hear it right here on the score at 7 o'clock, they will be provided, our radio production team, Paul Zerang, the great Paul Zerang is the engineer now, uh, with Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, Zach Zademan, they will be provided the sound effects that the Cubs provide. They're giving it to, to, to Marquee. I think they'll give it to ESPN tonight as well, but you'll hear it right here on the score. So that's how it's working. Each club can make it better. And already by day two, you heard how much better it was as the Cubs are messing with it. This is the kind of work that's going on behind the scenes to try and give you a lifelike broadcast, a normal experience. And this is also very much for the players. It's not just for us. It's for the players to feel like they're at a ballgame. And Ian Happ was on with Dan Bernstein this past week and said it was great to have some of those sound effects. To have that crowd. It helped them. So that's the goal here, too. Thank you for your indulgence if you're not a sound geek or radio geek, but I bet a lot of you are, and hopefully some of you who are not, understood what we're talking about.
2: Speaks, we just get to hear this noise for the first time in forever tonight. I'm so excited.
3: That's the thing. This noise. We're still going to get it. Even without a crowd in the stands, we're going to get it. And you will forget that it's fake. You will. By inning three or four, if you notice it early, you won't think about it anymore. And I know that's what they're doing over at Wrigley is they want to make sure they don't get in the way. So you might hear an underwhelming reaction to something positive that goes on. But you're not going to, hopefully, is the goal, hear some overwhelmingly out-of-place reaction to a small play. That's what you don't want to do. But they'll be making sure you feel and hear the reaction. The murmur is indeed pumped into the stadium, not just added to the broadcast. It is absolutely there for the players. Alright, enjoyed that. Thank you Sean Anderson for grabbing that and Chris Tannehill for grabbing some of that sound too. And then Tannehill on Friday put an open together where he played the RBI baseball music (laughs) instead of the murmur as I set each one up painstakingly. He played the RBI baseball music which would be a very fun way to do it. But yes, yes! If that was in the background of every game that could work too. Keep playing it as we go to break. Sean Anderson, the producer. When we come back, I'll make predictions. Good luck, everybody. Mark Grody's coming up at noon, but I'll make predictions on what's going to happen in the divisions, in the playoffs, and the major awards. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Hey, hey Gary, when we add Lou Pinella and Ozzie Gian in this town at the same time— <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? A couple, Those... couple characters. couple characters of the game there. I mean. Yeah. Uh, you ever throw Lou either of them out? A... You ever throw either of them out, Gary? I don't think I threw Ozzy. I had a, I mean, a real big with Lou one day in Cincinnati.
3: A real big bleep house. Built like a brick, bleep house, was the word. Maybe you've heard that before. That's former Major League umpire Gary Darling on his run-ins with Lou Pinella. That was really fun at the beginning of the hour. If you're listening on the Radio.com app, wait till I'm done with this segment, but then you can rewind if you want. You can rewind at any time and go back and hear Gary Darling, especially like middle in, middle of that interview, Gary started to loosen up and forget he was doing an interview. That's the best. That's the goal. Folks, that, that's always the dream is that somebody just kind of thinks they're talking, talking about stuff. And I think uh, Darling, Gary Darling, thought he was just talking about stuff when he said he got into a real big bleep house with Lou Pinella in Cincinnati. All right. It's sitting run on 670. The score Mark Grody coming up at the top of the hour. Here are my predictions for this very bizarre uh, 60 game sprint. I hope we get it all in. It's going to feel very unique and very different. And unique and different, mean, similar things, but but different things. Okay, here we go. American League East, Yankees, over the Rays, and the surprising Blue Jays, even with their home games in Buffalo or wherever they're going to play. Do we know where they're going to play yet? I don't think so. Season starts Thursday. Um, (laughs) The Blue Jays can't play in Canada. Man, that's how strict Canada is about the virus. But anyway, Blue Jays are going to have a decent year, but the Yankees are going to win the American League East. In the central... It's the twins by a hair, just a hair. White Sox do get the wild card though. That's my prediction. White Sox get the wild card. In the West, it's the Astros. I know, it sucks. But they're good. They're still good. It's the Astros in the West. The Oakland A's get the wild card again. The National League East, the Phillies, their moment is now. The depth of that lineup and Aaron Nola is going to win the Cy Young Award in the National League, I think. That dude is ready to be his absolute best self at the top of that rotation. Um, the Braves play well. Freddie Freeman back, by the way. Welcome back, Freddie Freeman. He's back. Um, find, find the audio and the video of Freddie Freeman talking about having the virus. It, it's brutal. I, I, we're doing baseball mostly here today, and that's good. Not, not too much virus, but... Freddie Freeman is back. The Braves will get the wild card in the National League Central. The Reds, Cardinals, and Cubs in a dogfight. I'm down on the Brewers. Reds, Cardinals, and Cubs in a dogfight all year long. Both wild cards are coming out of that division. I think the Cardinals are going to win the division. John uh, Jack Flaherty's a beast. So the Cubs and Reds are your wild card teams. National League West, the Dodgers, best team in baseball. American League wildcard, the Sox beat the A's behind Lucas Giolito. Gets his first postseason experience, pitches beautifully against the A's and the wildcard. National League wildcard, the Cubs beat the Reds behind Hugh Darvish. Gets a chance for a little postseason redemption on a small level, the wildcard game, he wins it. So I've got the Sox and Cubs, both as wild cards and winning the wildcard games. Then it, uh, it goes bad. Sox lose to the Yankees in the ALDS. Astros beat the Twins in the ALDS. Uh, ALCS, the Yankees and Astros, it's the Yankees over the Astros. Garrett Cole is your Cy Young Award winner for the American League. And Aaron Judge is your MVP. It's, it's a big Yankee year. Sorry, everybody. But that's what I think it is. In the National League, Cubs over the Reds behind Darvish. And then the NLDS, Cubs lose to the Dodgers again. Cardinals lose to the Phillies. The NLCS is Dodgers and Phillies, as it was in 77 and 78. Dodgers will beat the Phillies. The World Series is the Dodgers and the Yankees, as it has been so many times in the past um, last time it was Dodgers Yankees in the World Series, eighty-one strike year. Is that the last time? Think so. Uh, three different Dodgers shared the World Series MVP. Am I? Am I? Sean, look it up and see if I'm forgetting one. But I think that's the last time it was Dodgers Yankees. Um, but it'll be Dodgers-Yankees in the World Series, and the Dodgers finally win it. They finally get over the hump. You know why? Because they've got the second-best player in the game. Mookie Betts is going to win your National League MVP. Aaron Nola, the National League Cy Young. Dylan Carlson, the outfielder for the Cardinals, who uh, will break out, and he will, he will play a lot for the Cardinals, and he will win your National League Rookie of the Year. American League, judge your MVP, Garrett Cole, the Cy Young, and the Rookie of the Year? Yes, of course. Is there any, any question? Luis Robert. Luis Robert is your American League Rookie of the Year. Oh, I did say uh, Braves wild card. I can't have three wild cards. Yeah, so Braves are not a wild card. The Phillies win that division. The rest of the division just kind of beats up on itself because it's a crazy division. Thank you for pointing that out.
2: You're right about 81 2 Dodgers beat the Yankees in six games, and if it's funny, the uh, last time, uh, the, the other two times they played before that, 77 and 78, also went to six games. The Yankees won that. So the last three, yes. three times the Dodgers and Yankees have played in the World Series, uh, it has all gone to six games.
3: Sean, when I was growing up, I thought that's how the playoffs had to go. I thought it, I thought there was a rule. <laughs> I'm serious that it was 77 thought there was a rule that it had to be Yankees and the Kansas City Royals with with the George Brett, Willie Wilson and the Yankees win. And it had to be the Dodgers and the Phillies um, and the Dodgers had to win. And then the Yankees had to beat the Dodgers. I thought, okay, I guess this is how it goes every year.
2: I was the same way. When the Mariners won in 2003, that was like Goliath being struck in. The fact that the Yankees finally go down again uh, oh, yeah. after 2001, but I was more yeah, into yeah. baseball in 2003, especially after being a Cubs fan uh, for that NLCS than having to watch the the Marlins win that uh, series was rough. There you
3: go. So, so look, I've, I've been looking forward so much to this Cubs and White Sox year. This 2020 season, it looks like we're going to get it. I hope it sticks around. I hope we get 60 games. It starts on Thursday. Cubs and White Sox play tonight at 7 o'clock right here on The Score. Pre-game at 6.50 with our Zach Zaidman. But it's not going to be Cubs-Sox World Series this year. I'm predicting it's not. But it could be. It totally could be.
2: I think the one thing that it won't be is the Dodgers and Yankees because I also have the Dodgers and Yankees picked yeah. as my World Series. So there's no way we're both going to be right here.
3: Man, it could be Cubs-Sox. I'd love to be wrong and have a Cubs-Sox-Crosstown World Series. Holy hell. And if not this year, it could be next year or the year after. We're entering what I hope will be a three- or four-year window when that matchup is in play. Right? I think we have lined them up successfully. That Cubs-Sox World Series is in play here just days before opening day. What a fun show. I really enjoyed today. Thank you, listeners, for being here um, thanks for your involvement all through the pandemic on Hit and Run. We get actual baseball to talk about. It's crazy. Thank you to Gary Darling from uh, Ump's Care. Uh, thank you to Cole Wright from Marquee. That was really fun at 10 o'clock with Cole Wright. Thank you to Nick Pollock from PitchersList.com, a site I'll be using a lot from now on. And thank you to Bruce Levine. And thank you to Sean Anderson for doing a great job. If, he's not, if you're not hearing him and you wonder why, it's because Chris Kampka had a baby. The proud father of Matteo. Great name. Smart choice. The Italian version of a really good name. Uh, born on the same day as Shoeless Joe Jackson, as Chris Kampka pointed out on Twitter. Congrats to him. Mark Grody's next. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. I'm in for Parkins all week, so it's me and Dan McNeil starting tomorrow from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. all week long on 670 The Score. Happy baseball season.
2: This is a great test for a young hitter. Not too many hitters have faced a guy like c with this funky delivery, and he's in the majors doing this. Oh. oh, boy, that ball leaked, and it continues to leak. Luis Robert, look out. To the concourse. Whoa. That hit off the last seat in the section in left field. Well, so much for my theory. It was going to take a little bit of time to get used to a pitcher like Steve Ciszek.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News.